Hey, you guys, we are we are moving on into a new series. I'm not sure if you guys were uh, aware of it, but we actually started a new series last week that we're just calling Un. We started with the unbelievable victory of Jesus at Easter. And that prefix, Un, it means uh, opposite or not. And I can't really think of a, a better description to compare God's ways to our ways. I mean, if you if you think about things like the world says that a king should be set up on a pedestal and he should be served. Jesus, the King of Kings, came to serve us by dying on the cross, the ultimate example of, of service. There's, there's so many other uh, things like that in, in God's economies, which are um, upside down to us. Um, we think about the world calling us to just scratch and claw and do everything we can to achieve that seat of honor. And God says, no, 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 no. It's the lowly and the humble who, are, who I'm going to give those places of honor to. And we think um, about, about Jesus and, and how, he, how he lived his life. Um, you know, we want to be one of the cool kids. Jesus came and he was one of the outcasts. He spent his time with the outcasts. That's who he was intentional about, about going to. The world tells us to hoard flour and toilet paper. God says, be generous on every occasion. So we can see by inference, the concepts of scripture are just so unlike our ways, but scripture just calls it flat out. This is from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's it right there, folks. Scripture says that God is going to do things differently than us. His ways are unlike our ways. And um, that brings us to the, the big idea for our series is this. What the world says is un equals God's way of getting things done. God's ways are different than ours. And we're going to dig into that this morning as we look at this idea of unqualified. Uh, Pre-service chat had us discussing what um, a job or an experience you had where you were given a task to do that you felt uh, that you weren't qualified for. Um, I can, unfortunately, I can think of far too many in my life that immediately come to mind. Uh, when I was 16, I was a busboy at a country club and asking me at 16 to pass hors d'oeuvres at a swanky black tie wedding in somebody's mansion, um, definitely not qualified for that. Uh, putting me behind the sticks of an excavator at the age of 19, that was probably not somebody's best managerial move. Um, fatherhood? Absolutely. I, I mean, when my boys were, I, I'm still not sure if I'm qualified for, for fatherhood or not, but um, there's there just, I mean, I'm sure we could all come up with, with examples like that. And the folks in the, the pages of scripture are, are no, no different. We're going to take a look at a couple of them right now. Moses. So uh, the reference is there. Uh, you guys, the, my notes are available. If you um, if you click in that link, you can you can grab them. And in that link are also some um, there's some activities for the kids uh, that go along with the what we're talking about right now. There's some activities talking about Moses and a couple of the other characters that we're going to discuss. So please go grab those right now. Um, if you text uh, 203-779-7097, the word note that will um, bring you that link. So just jump right on that. But we're going to look at Moses. So why was Moses unqualified? What was his deal? 
God asked Moses to lead the Israelite nation, two plus million people, um, to lead them through the wilderness for 40 years to take them to the promised land. Not only to lead them, but to go to the most powerful man in the world at that time, Pharaoh, and basically oppose him and say, you know, all those people who are doing all that free labor from you. Yeah, we're going to leave now. Um, and that's what God had in store for Moses to do. Moses, um, when God came to Moses, Moses was actually on the run. Moses had murdered somebody and was in hiding so he wouldn't get caught. And God came to him in the burning bush and spoke to him in that moment. Moses actually argued with God as God was laying this out for him. He's like, Moses, this is what I, I want you to do. This is what you're going to do for me. You're going to lead these people. You're going to go confront Pharaoh. Moses is like, God, I think the, the phrase the Bible uses slow of speech. Moses had a speech impediment. He wasn't confident in talking in front of other people. And yet, despite his background, despite his weaknesses, God, despite his lack of qualifications, God used him in mighty, mighty ways. How about how about Rahab? Rahab um, may be a little bit less of a familiar character, but Moses took the people to the edge of the promised land. And then Joshua was the one who had to take the people into the promised land and conquer it. Rahab was one of the, um, she was the enemy. She was the enemy. And she ended up um, not only saving her family, but helping God's people win a great victory. Um, so Rahab was, she played for the wrong team. She was the enemy. She was on the wrong side. She was a Canaanite. And she was a prostitute. She, her background was checkered to say, the least. Um, but she came through and she's actually in Jesus's family tree, right? Not at all qualified, unqualified, this woman Rahab, but God used her to do, to do mighty things. And how about, how about the disciples? Um, these were the, the 12 guys who were Jesus's closest friends when, when he walked the, the earth, the disciples were, um, they were, okay, well, like uh, vocationally, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. One of them was legitimately like a, he was an actual terrorist. Um, so not really who you would think of to launch a, a, a movement that would change the world. And then character wise, um, they were traitors. Like I said, one was a terrorist. They uh, were self-seeking. They were some of them were temperamental and impetuous. When things got rough at the end, they split, they took off on Jesus. And still, Jesus called them, told them to go be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And these guys ended up writing the New Testament, launching the movement known as Christianity, and starting the church. Really, just um, the, the, these people were absolutely unqualified. And it, it's, no, it's no different today. Um, when I first started doing youth ministry way, way back. Um, the youth pastor who I was working for, every spring we would take a bunch of kids to Daytona Beach for a, for a trip. And the guy who was our, he was on staff, I was a volunteer at the time, he announced that he was leaving and that he was moving across the country and that he had signed us up to take kids on this trip. He had said, we're gonna fill, I think it was like 20 spots. And Tom, you are gonna lead the trip to to Daytona. So I had to fill the spots. I had to lead a trip of high schoolers 
to Daytona Beach, um, share the gospel of Jesus with them, keep them safe. There's a bunch of high schoolers running around Daytona Beach without their parents. Um, one of the one of the students while we were there found out that his mom was assaulted while we were there. Um, the the bus broke down on the on the way home from the trip. I mean, so you think about a road trip with three kids saying, "Are we there yet?" Think about a road trip with three hundred kids saying, "Are we there yet?" And the bus breaks down in the middle of that. I was not qualified for for any of that. And not to mention my wife Gail. We were engaged at the time. I don't think she was really qualified for what she had to do at that moment either. She was going to meet my dad for the first time. And she was going to meet him at his father's funeral. So he okay, came through like a tramp. God allowed her to do what she needed to do. But I'm pretty sure she didn't feel qualified to meet my father for the first time under, under those circumstances. So there's a little bit of, you put some um, context in some people some actual experiences to what the idea of unqualified is. But I think as we think about unqualified, there's two, there's two different aspects to it, right? There's God's call. There's God's plan of salvation for which none of us, none of us deserve God's grace and mercy and forgiveness and his love. But Jesus gives it to us. The um, Bible said it's imputed, right? It's given to us. And the, um, we, don't, we don't deserve it. Maybe an analogy, will, it'll fall up short, but it might help explain it a little bit. It would be like if I went for a job at Microsoft and I slid my resume across the table. And when the people hiring me looked at it, they read Bill Gates' qualifications. They read his, his resume. That's what they saw when they looked at mine. That's what God sees when he looks at us. When we come to faith with Jesus, when we ask for forgiveness for breaking that relationship, when we commit to following him, that's what God sees. God sees Jesus. It's like we slide our resume across the table. And instead of seeing our lack of qualifications, he sees Jesus's qualifications. And then there's this idea of God, of God sending us, God sending us out in the world, out to our families, out to our friends to do, to share, to give things that are just way, um, way beyond what we may feel our capabilities are. And that's generally because we think about us and not about what God is going to do through us. It's not about us. It's about, it's about God. I want to share with you one more um, biblical example, one more uh, character from the Bible. And his name was Paul. His name was actually Saul. And when he was Saul, he, um, he was just, uh, he was a bad dude. He was hostile to God, hostile to God, to the point of um, arresting, torturing, having people put to death for following Jesus. That metal bullet there, checkered past, which is uh, the reference there is 1 Corinthians 15, 9. Paul refers to himself as the worst of all sinners. His background, the things that he had done, he felt like it rendered him unqualified. A lot of what, so Paul wrote wrote a lot of letters and he was an impressive writer and people like they read his stuff and they're like, wow, it's, it's powerful. The flip side of that is when he was in front of people, those verses are Paul talking about himself. He was not a gifted speaker. He was not impressive when he would deliver messages to crowds, but yet still God worked through him. 
in in front of um, nobodies and people in the margins and in front of kings and queens to to share to share the gospel in in his words. So he had lack of gifts. He had a checkered past, and he had um, he had some weaknesses. I'm gonna I want to read to you these verses from from Second Corinthians that talk a little bit about this because I think we can all identify with um, with the concept of having some weaknesses. So here we go. This is Second Corinthians chapter twelve, starting in verse six. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so no one will think more of me. Than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. And a couple of verses before that, Paul shares that God had given him visions of just amazing, amazing things. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we look at these verses and... um, it gives us a little bit of an indication as to why God would call the unqualified. And there's two reasons. One, um, and first and foremost for him, for it's for his glory, for his. So people look at him instead of us. They see his perfections instead of our flaws and our weaknesses. But also for us, it, um, it allows us to assume a position of humility. And the recognition of the fact that we that we need God, we need God moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year year by year, and so you get this, guys. This should be this should be great news for all of us. For those of us who want to be used by God, this should be great news because it means there are no prereqs. There, there's we don't have to. We're not going to be denied because we don't have the proper experience. God will use us unqualified as we may be for those of us who might be a little bit anxious about being used by God. This is great news because it means the results are not on us. The results are on God. It's God's plan. He's given us the job to do. He's going to give us the means to do it. All we have to do is obey. And the last part of why this is great news um, is it debunks one of the phrases, there are lots of phrases that people attribute to the Bible that aren't really in the Bible. And the phrase is this, God won't give you more than you can handle. That phrase is not in the Bible and it's terrible theology. God won't give you more than you can handle. I can't imagine, I mean, I've been put in situations in my life where if if that were like, I'm expected to handle this, like just the crushing weight of, of some of that, the crushing, like I know some, you know, some of you, your stories, the the weight of of loss, of broken relationship, of stress, of caring for people, the expectation that we God would put that on us because we would do that by ourselves is not at all biblical. So here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is this: is God will give you 
more than you can handle, but it's only because there's nothing he can't handle. He puts us in situations so we will rely on him and that we can see him come through and that we can give him all the praise and all the glory. Great news for those who want to serve God. There's no prereqs. Great news for those who are maybe nervous or scared about serving God because the results are God. And it, it blows up this idea that we have to do it, right? That we have to do it on our own. It's not on us. It's on God. And he can, he can handle it. So real quick, kind of wrapping up our, our time here this morning, the response of the unqualified at Crossroads, the way we do things, we wrap up in these, these phrases of look up, lean in, and reach out. And the unqualified, we look at Moses, we look at Rahab, we look at, there's so many people I didn't mention. Um, Jesus's mother, Mary, Gideon, the, the, there's lots of people in the Bible who fall into this unqualified category. They look up to God with humility, right? They look in the mirror and they have the courage to recognize who they are and they ask God, who's perfectly loving, perfectly just, all-powerful, all-knowing, they ask for his, for his help because they know they can't do it on their own. They look up to God in faith, trusting that God is going to come through because when it counted most, God came through. Jesus, God in flesh, went to the cross, died on the cross, and then rose again. And more than anything else, that's why we can have faith that God will come through when he puts us in those situations for which we feel unqualified. Lean in. The, the people in the Bible who were unqualified, in my personal experience, it's um, when we lean into each other, the sense of teamwork, God will call us into a situation for which we're unqualified, and he may put us alongside somebody else who's got some of those missing qualifications. None of us have all the gifts. But together, we make up the church body, and we are all necessary, and we need each other. And it's in that way that God works through us. And then the last thing is that we would just reach out, right? We would reach out in obedience. God puts something in front of us, whether we feel qualified to the task or not. We look up to God in humility and faith. We lean into each other with a sense of teamwork, knowing that people are going to pick up the slack where I'm going to let down. And we, we move. We go where God sends us. Look up, lean in, and reach out. God is always at work, right? God is always calling you. If you are if you are participating in this live stream this morning um, and you are not a regular attender at Crossroads, man, I am so glad that you're with us. And, and please hear this. Listen to me, right? It is no mistake. It is no mistake that you are participating in this live stream, right? There's no such thing as, as coincidence. God is at work in your life and he is calling you. He is calling you into a deeper relationship with him. Maybe you don't even have a relationship with him right now. He's calling you to walk with him, to allow um, him into those areas of your life where you feel unqualified and to let him come through for you. Maybe you're a regular attender at Crossroads. You've been walking with God for a while, but you don't, you're feeling, um, God is calling you right into a deeper level of relationship. And what that might look like, especially in light of all the virus stuff going on, God might be calling you to do more than you're used to doing, right? Maybe you have a full-time job, but now you're being called upon to do that full-time job at home and homeschool your kids and make sure dinner is on the table, right? That, that's a lot. 
And God is, is calling you to trust him more to do that. I've had conversations with a lot of people. God is actually calling you to a deeper relationship with him by these means. Are you ready? By calling you to do less. Right? He's calling you. You're in a situation where you cannot do the things that you normally would. Even good things, great things that you normally would or that you want to. And he's just calling you to slow down, to take a break, and to just spend some time with him so that you might grow into a deeper relationship with him. God is always at work. He's always calling us to deeper levels of relationship. And God is always sending. He's always at work, which means that there's work for us to do. And those jobs that he has for us to do, he's going to put us in situations where we do not feel qualified. And our job is to just look up, lean in, and reach out. In, in humility and in faith, <clears throat> in, in a sense of teamwork, in a sense of obedience. God says, go, and we go. And we leave the results up to him. So <clears throat> God is calling us all to, to just these circumstances that are way beyond what any of us ever thought we'd be in the middle of. And thankfully, it's not up to us. We're all unqualified for what we're in the middle of right now. Fortunately, it's not up to us. It's up to God. We respond and we allow God to work in and through us. And he will see the task through to completion in a way that brings him the most glory and us the most good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that it's about you and it's not about us. We thank you that you are always calling us to deeper relationship. We thank you that you are always sending us. God, give us the courage to respond to both that call and that sending, knowing that it's you that's going to come through. It's you that's going to work through us. It's you that's going to get the job done. In the end, it's you who deserve the praise and the glory. So Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are suffering God, right now, I pray for those who the pressure of our current situation seems overwhelming and leaves them feeling so unqualified to deal with what they're in the midst of, that they would know, God, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you are with them, that you are for them, God, that, and you will work through them for your glory and for their good. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>